0: Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday, December 11, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me, and I want to start with what took place inside Madison Square Garden last night, because that was something. Texas Tech entered unranked on a three-game losing streak to unranked opponents, and without its leading scorer, Jamius Ramsey. Meantime, Louisville was a perfect 9-0 with eight double-digit victories and ranked number one in the country. So the smart money had Louisville improving to 10-0 and Texas Tech extending its losing streak to four games. But this has been a weird season all season. So, of course, Texas Tech, which just lost to DePaul, which uh, just lost to Buffalo, uh, which opened the season with a loss to Dartmouth, went out and beat the nation's number one team shorthanded. Final score, Texas Tech 70, Louisville 57. Norlander, you were there. Say something about it.
1: Yeah, I'll say a few things about it here. I was there, and as you can tell by the sound of my uh, my voice, I got home late from the garden and had kid duty, so uh, the dulcet tones uh, have returned here. But yeah, that was um, a lot of fun. Uh, I guess as much fun as a 13-point spread could be in an end-of-game situation for a game that featured two teams uh, shooting poorly on the hole there. But... Um, not a season-saving win for Texas Tech. I'm not going to go that far, but it was important because the only other remaining non-conference opponent for Texas Tech um, that you know would help their case when we get to NCAA tournament time is Kentucky and the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and that's at the end of January. How about this? Since the tournament expanded in 85 and we went to 64 teams, Uh, I did the research in advance of this game last night because I thought that Texas Tech was going to lose and I'd use it in the court report and I didn't really use it. So there have only been four times a team that made the national title game and lost – Endured a four-game losing streak the next season. Those four, I won't even trivia time you here, Paris, because yeah, we don't we don't got that kind of time. Uh, 90 Seton Hall actually had two four-game losing streaks. Uh, you had 94-95 Duke. Remember when Kay went down, uh, left midway through the season. Pete Godet took over. They were one 02-03 Indiana had one, and then the most recent was 07-08, uh, an Ohio State team that featured uh, Mark Titus, of course. They are the most recent one. Texas Tech would have been the fifth. Uh, and they would have been the first to do it all in non-conference play, uh, but so they avoided that fate. Overall, um, that was important for them to uh, to not have another opportunity against an NCAA tournament team uh, slip through their hands. And I will also note, while they were riding that three-game losing streak, you know they they were in those games. You know they did lose all three. Two of them went to overtime. Uh, that was Creighton and obviously DePaul, which we touched on last week, and then the previous one, Iowa, got away from them, but it was still like close with two minutes to go. So uh, a nice return to form. Chris Beard said that they were not; they were either going to win the game or run out of time, which is a coachism if I've ever heard it. But regardless, they they did win the game. Um, and he said they needed to play their best game of the season in order to beat Louisville. They knew that had to be the case. That was indeed the case. There's some great stuff um, with their walk-on, which we can get to uh, in a minute there, Avery Benson. But uh, I guess, you know, in a, on a prominent stage, Texas Tech saves itself, certainly gets a, a really nice win, and it just reinforces Chris Beard's coaching credentials, the fact that you do this, don't have your best player, you win by 13 points over the end of rank one number one ranked team, and you have a walk-on that's the most valuable player of the game.
0: Um, you know, I, I tweeted it last night, just sort of how this is another bullet point on an incredible resume that he has already put together. I, 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 we've talked about all of this stuff before, but like it's worth going through point by point because it is unbelievable what he's been able to accomplish. He is only right now, Chris Beard. In his fifth season as a Division I head coach. And he already owns the highest season win totals at two different schools. All right? His his first season as a Division I head coach was at Little Rock. Now, Little Rock never won 20 games in any of the six seasons before Chris Beard took over. He takes over. He wins 30 games at Little Rock. Beats Purdue in the NCAA tournament. uh, Is only the second coach ever to take Little Rock to the second round of the NCAA Tournament. That is a school record 30 wins and a Sunbelt record 30 wins. No Sunbelt team had ever won 30 games before. Uh, Little Rock had never won 30 games before. He does that. Ends up with the job at Texas Tech. In year two, he takes Texas Tech to its first Elite Eight in school history. In year three, he takes Texas Tech to its second Elite Eight in school history. First Final Four in school history. First title game in school history. And then On Tuesday night in the Garden, he leads Texas Tech to its first ever win over a top-ranked team. He does it on a neutral uh, court without his top scorer. And as you point out, a walk-on playing 22 minutes. He is the only Texas Tech coach to ever win a Big 12 title. He's been at Texas Tech now three seasons. This is his fourth. He has the number one win total in a season ever and the number three win total in a season ever number one was last season he won 31 games most in school history uh the number three uh, most uh, highest win total in texas tech history it's 27 games he got that the season before the only coach in between him uh, james dickey uh, led texas tech to a 30 and 2 record in 1996 shouts to jason sasser um so like you I mean, you can't overstate the impact that this guy has made literally everywhere he's coached Division I college basketball. Like I said, he's completed four seasons, and he has the highest season win total at two different universities. That's insane.
1: It's ridiculous. Uh, And he's still, he's just, he's as even-keeled, regular dude as you could kind of ask for. I mean, you know, there is a... You know, brilliant. Sometimes we 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 get too far with with calling with coaches brilliant. I think sometimes across sports, but his acumen for coaching and the way that he presents his knowledge for it is uh, as he, humble as you could expect from anyone. Uh, it's really it's really it really is quite quite something there. And uh, I
0: I, th- I think he is humble. I think he also knows how good he is. If that makes sense. If you can balance sure. those two things, I think he's humble. He would never pound his own chest mm-hmm. but i do think he knows how good he is and he knows that the things he's been able to accomplish are not things 99 percent of college basketball coaches could accomplish i really do think he's that good
1: here's something he said last night um when i when i talked to him uh, outside the locker room uh because i i i had asked him if you know there was some pressing going on this Texas Tech is obviously entering this kind of season with more attention and spotlight than ever before in program history even more than last season coming off the Elite 8 appearance there's a there's a grand difference between getting to an Elite 8 which is a great accomplishment and certainly brings so much shine to your program and going down to the wire in the national championship game and doing so for the first time in program history. He said, My job is to instill confidence in these players. We have high expectations at Texas Tech. Nobody wants to win more than we do, but we also understand that we're playing five freshmen. One of our best players is out with injury right now. But you know how it is. Prince today... Frog tomorrow. If we got a basket here and a rebound there, this is maybe number nine Texas Tech against number one Louisville. He's referring to the fact that had they not lost those games, which is entirely—that's a completely reasonable uh, a statement there. But he said it doesn't quite work out that way when you lose some close games. But I told him, guys, we're the same team. We could be in the soccer room right now, and we won the game, but we're really the same team no matter what. And, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really impressive. Uh, and I think that Texas Tech is going to— <laughs> Uh, if, if we can project out, and I do want to get to Benson and just talk about him a little bit, but if we're going to project out, they're 6-3 right now. Next two games, Southern Miss, UT, UT Rio Grande Valley, and then actually the third game is Cal State Bakersfield. Then they'll wrap up uh, non-conference with the exception of that Kentucky game before they get to Big 12 play. I do think that Texas Tech will make the NCAA tournament again this season once they get Ramsey back. Um, the defense, if it's going to be top 10 level again, um, I know the Big 12 is really good. I get that. Um, but that was a, a big time win uh against a Louisville team that had had in part large part looked pretty pretty good. I mean, earned its number 1 ranking and all that and uh tech flustered flustered Chris Max team. Uh the guards were bad. Jordan Ware took some bad shots overall, so uh, you know, certainly credit to Beard and his staff getting those guys five freshmen in that kind of spot. They don't have a Tech. Tech doesn't have like a primary legitimate ball handler on the floor in that game. Chris Clark is—he's not a point guard. He's kind of a, a kind of a do anything player. Uh, Davide Moretti has been, he had 18, but even he's like kind of been down this season. It's really impressive to see what they've done and how they've done it with the cast they have.
0: Just one last thing on Chris Beard, and then I want you to tell the Avery Benson story for people who don't know it. Um, going back to Little Rock, I noted that in the six seasons before he had the job, they never won more than 20 games in a season. He gets the job for one season. They win 30 games, school record, Sunbelt record. And since he's been gone, the school has averaged 10.7 wins per season, and nobody's won more than 15 games. I mean, that, they, like even if you just... I mean, listen, the Texas Tech stuff speaks for itself, but to me, that is just as impressive. Like, you take over a bad basketball program, for one year. It's one not year. like, well, give me a couple years to get my guys in here. It's just like, all right, right, um, I'll, I'll give me the job. I'll get what I can get. Do the best I can. And you win more games than any Sunbelt coach in the history of the league. Like, like you don't even have time to build it. It's just like, I'll do the best with what I got. And you win more games than any coach in that league has ever won. And then you bounce, and they go right back to sucking. 15 wins a year at most, an average of 10.7 Per season. And so I I really do think there are and and not that like when we start talking about goats of college basketball, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about Mike Krzyzewski. We're going to talk about Roy Williams. We're going to talk about John Calipari. And what I'm about to say um, is not to be disrespectful to any of them. But I think a lot of people could win a lot at Duke. And I think a lot of people could obviously win a lot at North Carolina and a lot of people could win a lot at Kansas and a lot of people could win a lot at Kentucky. But to John's credit, he also won Big at UMass and big at Memphis, so he probably checks this box once upon a time, if not still. But I don't know how many guys in the country, all of them, could do what Chris Beard did at Little Rock and do what Chris Beard is doing at Texas Tech. I I don't know how Mm -hmm. many people people could – Tony Bennett maybe. I could see Tony Bennett doing something like that because he did stuff at Washington State you're not supposed to do. He's doing stuff at Virginia you're not supposed to do. But the list of men who could do what Chris did at Little Rock and do what Chris is doing at Texas Tech is very,
1: very short. Agreed. And how about this? Okay, Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's quite short. Uh, as is the list, as I alluded to in my uh, takeaways piece on Tuesday night, how many coaches honestly believe that if they didn't have their best player – Had to play a walk-on, 22 minutes in a neutral court environment against an undefeated number one ranked team. 353 coaches in America. Like, how many honestly think they would win that game by double digits? It might be in the single digits in terms of coaches that think that they could pull that off. Chris Beard did it. Okay, so Avery Benson and I didn't obviously. I was at the game, so I didn't watch the telecast. I don't know how much did did in real time. Was he getting? a decent amount of a commentary and run, Parrish, or was it kind of like they were talking about how, how ugly the game was and he was just happened to be another uh, you know, member of the cast, so to speak, as Texas Tech was pulling away?
0: I will be honest. Uh, for the early part of the broadcast, I had it muted because I was uh, doing a 90-minute sexual harassment training course. <laughs> 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 that was long overdue, and I was told to have it done by Tuesday, And so I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here and watch this game and, uh, oh and 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 learn what I can and cannot say or do in the workplace.
1: <laughs> okay, well, that's good for this podcast at the very least. Uh, yeah, I believe that, I took yeah, that thing. Zero like percent chance of me sexually
0: harassing you.
1: All right, that's what I, that's that's uh, okay. Very very good. Um,
0: okay, okay, but but eventually, I completed and passed my training session, so I'm all good. I'm I'm, I'm at no risk of sexually harassing anybody, it appears. And then I did unmute it. Because I knew I was going to have to go on CBS Sports HQ and talk about it. I just wanted to hear what they were talking about as uh, I was keeping my eyes on the uh, box score and and my eyes also on on the game. And yes, to answer your question, he got a lot of attention uh, throughout the the broadcast, mostly because of his hair. Mm. And uh, Holly Rowe actually put her fingers through his hair. She seemed to really enjoy his hair.
1: Well, he's got beautiful hair. And and a great beard to go with it. Um, yeah, because I did. I now that you're saying this, I did. I do remember as I was getting ready to go back uh, to outside the Texas Tech locker room, uh, he was actually talking to Holly Rowe at the end of the game. I remember seeing him on the court with beard, so I know that he, that he got the TV interview. Okay, so um, so how about this? So you mentioned Little Rock with Chris Beard. I did not know this until last night. Chris Beard told me and and Rob Doster that Avery Benson. Was the first player he ever offered a scholarship to once he got the D1 job at Little Rock, the first guy, period. And it happened because he was he was watching him play in some grassroots event, played like he was like kind of like kind of like a bit player for the Arkansas Wings uh, travel team. And apparently there was some play, and who knows who was actually three teeth, but Beard was like he lost three teeth on a busted play, bleeding everywhere, and that's when I turned to Wes Flanagan, uh, who was on the staff then apparently, and said offer that kid a scholarship. And they did. And he was going to go play for Beard at Little Rock. And then Little Rock, bids Big Stones, beats Purdue in the tournament. Beard gets the UNLV, then Texas Tech, and, you know, that whole deal. And so then Benson follows Beard to Texas Tech. Now, flashback to the 2017-2018 season. Texas Tech makes the Elite Eight. And I remember covering that event... And Avery Benson was in a redshirt season, and due to NCAA rules, he was not allowed to like to be on the bench with the team. So he was the row behind him in his cowboy getup. Texas Tech brought such a great fan base to Boston for that regional semifinal and final, and they lost to Villanova, uh, who obviously went on to uh, to win the national championship. But I talked with Benson in the locker room. I actually tweeted a photo. If you go to my Twitter account, I tweeted a photo from 2018 of Avery Benson long before we knew what this dude was going to do. And um, he was just kind of like the the cheerleader kind of dude, but he was a great locker room quote when they were doing all that stuff. Beer tells me last night, he said, after last season, after the national title game lost, literally the next day I'm in my office and Avery Benson comes in, and he, you know you're kind of doing the season in review. You're assessing, you know, might we have guys who want to transfer have better opportunities? And Benson was in a position where Beard said if he was going to leave to potentially get more playing time at a smaller school, uh, you know, in a single big conference, he completely understood it. He champions that, no doubt. But Benson surprised him and said, Coach, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care about my role. I want to be a part of this culture. I want to be a part of this team. And it was a refreshing surprise for Beard. And then he went to his coaches. he said, we're losing a lot. If we got Benson, our locker room is going to be fine. Because apparently he has just been that kind of guy whose presence means so much to the team. And so I will say this. The fact that he had that game, he, they trusted him to play 22 minutes. I, I don't think you can overstate how rare that is. Most coaches in that kind of spot against the number one team, even if you think the kid's a great kid and's got ability, they're just not going to trust him to be on the floor for 22 minutes. But he was three of three from the floor, three of three from the line, had a pair of blocks, um, had a steal, had a pair of boards. He was just, he was terrific. And then afterward, it's hard to describe, but Texas Tech had the smallest. So there are four locker rooms at MSG. Texas Tech had the smallest one. Um, and it was right after you leave the court. So the music was bumping immediately. They, they kept the door open. Uh, so I'm like, I'm literally like 10 feet away from it. And then all of a sudden, I just see that those flowing locks and the beard and they're straight up, they're lifting this dude and they're crowd surfing. I mean, it was a, just a joyous <laughs> moment. I cannot be more happy for a, a player like Avery who got to go and talk. Like, imagine that, Parrish. Like, you go from just being like the walk-on the only people that know you are on the team and they're like hey you come on you're you're going there's 25 media people waiting to talk to you and ask you questions at madison square garden incredible moment for him he stabilized texas tech season i think it's a great story and a, a story of pers- perseverance and patience and he and beard from a personality standpoint just seem like an absolute Perfect match. Congrats to him, and I hope that he continues to uh, to earn playing time. Beard said, "Yeah, no, that's he he has earned it, and he will get more." So, uh, just a little bit of a backstory on him. There's more on that in, the, in this uh, week's court report at cbsports.com.
0: We're on Skype right now, so do you realize that if I held up my phone and showed you a picture of a naked woman, you could technically turn me in? Sexual <laughs> <that> harassment? Okay. <laughs> do you know that? I, I just, learned that last night.
1: I just I just laid out. In an inspirational story, and you're still t- you're still stuck on sexual harassment training. Let me ask you this: Did you did you pass your course? I did, but I took that thing like three months ago, dude. No, I should have.
0: I didn't check my email. <laughs> <It> appears. <laughs> Let me ask you this then: Based on what you know, what you learned, Holly Rowe, rubbing her fingers through Avery Benson's hair, is it?
1: Could he report her if he wanted to? I, they don't work for the same company, so I don't know how that would work. Well, like uh, somebody needs a refresher
0: course because as long as you are, um, you you can. It is possible to be sexually harassed by somebody who actually isn't an employee of your same employer. I
1: understand.
0: If if, if your employee if your employee puts you in that situation,
1: I understand I, what you're saying.
0: I'm I'm not. I'm not. And by the way, it would not matter what her intentions were. It would only matter how Avery Benson interprets that situation. To be clear, I'm joking. I don't want some thread on some (laughs) message board talking about Gary Parish was alleging that Holly Rose sexually harassed Avery Benson. I'm not. But it was a moment like she was really she was really into her into his hair. She did put her fingers through his hair. And um, she did suggest that um, there needed to be a Twitter account dedicated to his hair. And when I did a Twitter search this afternoon, I found that somebody has made oh Avery God. Benson's hair <laughs> Twitter account. It's a terrific story. No, it it's, it's great. Everything you laid out is, is great. And... It's one of the things that I I always come back to when we're talking about college basketball. The off seasons kind of get boring for me because there's just a, a handful of topics that we know are going to be topics and so we we focus on them what's memphis's recruiting class going to be like Mm -hmm. um you know uh what's duke going to look like losing zion and rj and cam like there's these things that we just know is michigan state really the best team in the country let's talk about it some more but once the season gets here every year without exception these other stories that we could not have imagined are presented to us it's evansville winning at kentucky it's Stephen f austin Um, winning uh, 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 at Duke. It's Ohio State now looking like the best team in the country. We spend so many months in the offseason talking about the same handful of things because they're the obvious things to talk about. And then the season gets here, and we've suddenly got all of this new material because it's not material we could have ever reasonably anticipated having um, at our fingertips. And Avery Benson is just the latest example of it.
1: He he is, and and congrats on him and great on him. And, oh, by the way, just a a quick note on just, you know, Louisville getting dropped the way that it did. Um, Chris Mack uh, told me after that, you know, for the first time this season, um, the team got uh, not just off kilter – uh, but I think his exact words were, "We, we let our issues on offense affect the way that we play defense." And that that was not to be expected. Uh, admitted, Jordan Wara took a couple of, couple of ill shots. Although I thought that the, I thought that Louisville, as a whole, uh, was too reliant upon him. I'd keep an eye on that going forward if that becomes a thing. And then there was, uh, as I was following the game on Twitter in real time, there, you know, there's criticism, and I think rightfully so, over Louisville's issues in the backcourt. Um, Texas Tech. It was an exposition in that regard, and what they were able to do. Although I will say, I asked Beard point blank, "Did you think that you could that their backcourt was a weakness that you could exploit?" He said, "Absolutely not. I actually was concerned about their guards." Now that might be Beard being nice uh, for the purpose of the of the record, uh, but he was, you know, he gave me a fairly long explanation for why that was not the case. But what is also the case, undeniably, is that um, Louisville, which had earned the number one ranking, just it just it's it's got to figure out a way to have more playmaking ability uh, for uh, Wara. Fresh Kimball, vocal player, solid player, just not quite doing enough. McMahon needs to do more. So um, if you're a Louisville fan, I think you're, you're frustrated because you played like a legitimate defense and you got a glimpse of like, oh, crap. Like if Duke is – like Virginia's Virginia, if Duke really steps it up and becomes a really strong defensive team, Like, maybe we don't have pole position for the ACC the way we thought we did. Mac's a great coach. They're going to get it figured out. And I actually wonder if Louisville didn't quite get enough of its due leading up to this game. But to me, that was just it was a little eye opening. I didn't think that Louisville had that bad of an offensive game in itself, even going up against Texas Tech.
0: And it takes a little bit of the shine off of that December 28th showdown with Kentucky. I mean, it'll still be Louisville and Kentucky, probably two top 10 teams, so it'll be great. But it it would have been undeniably greater if Louisville was undefeated and ranked number one in the country entering Rupp Arena. Now that will not be the case. Texas Tech with a nice 70-57 win over Louisville. And um, I'm sure we'll circle back to both of those teams in podcasts to come. Let's move on. The second game at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday night, it was Indiana, Connecticut. Archie Miller's Hoosiers won, improved to 9-1. and one. We're going to get into that next. But first, uh, a few words on ZipRecruiter. You know, hiring is obviously a challenging deal, but there is one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. And that place is ZipRecruiter, a place that helps growing businesses connect with qualified candidates. Let me tell you a story about Gretchen Huebner. She's the co-founder of Codable and someone who experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist for her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter and immediately saw a difference. And you can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen, uh, she was able to find It much easier to just focus on the best ones and then she found the right one In fact after posting her job on ZipRecruiter Gretchen said she was honestly surprised She found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks with results like that It's no wonder four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day So let me ask this. Do you want to see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes? If so, you can do it for free at our web address, which is ZipRecruiter.com slash ION. That's ION, like the ION College Basketball uh, podcast. So it's E-Y-E-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash E-Y-E-O-N, ZipRecruiter.com slash ION, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hide. So the second game at MSG, on Tuesday night, Indiana, Connecticut. The nightcap of the Jimmy V Classic doesn't usually feature two unranked teams, but it did this year. UConn led by double digits early, but Indiana closed the first half on an 18-3 to run and ended up winning the game 57-54 to improve to 9-1 and on the season. I use resume, it includes a lot of nothing, plus a 16-point win over Florida State and a 20-point loss at Wisconsin. Norlander, I know you talked to Archie Miller afterward. What did he have to say?
1: Well... Uh, a few things. Uh, first of all, Indi- what I found surprising um, was that Indiana played 11 dudes in the first half. Um, and that was by design. And, you know, Indiana fans that are really keyed in on the team, and I know we've, got, we've got those amongst our listening base here, uh, won't be necessarily so surprised by this because Arch has talked about this somewhat earlier in the season but I said, when we get to, because what you'll sometimes see with coaches at at power conference programs is November, December can sometimes be a, something of a trial ground for how you're gonna, uh, you know, shape up your rotation for the big time stuff in league play, and then when you get to postseason play. So while you might see guys, you know, nine or ten guys, sometimes eleven guys earning uh, minutes for the first four, six, eight games of the season, really, once you get to March, uh, one or two, if not three, of those guys might just might be lost in the rotation. Archie Miller swore to me. That they are going to have an eleven-man rotation. It is going. This is how they have to win. This is what they are going to do, um, which will be interesting to watch play out. Not one Indiana player scored in double figures last night, um, so they were able to win fifty-seven fifty-four. Uh, because of it or in spite of it, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you had nine and in, in what? double digit uh minutes overall. I talked to him about Trace Jackson Davis cuz Trace Jackson Davis is easily in the top 10 of best freshmen of the, of the of the season so far. He's in the Frosh Watch that we've been updating every Tuesday and I wanted to know if, you know, does the team have an alpha? I Trace is probably not that right now, but does he need to become that? He said no. He said he is so coachable. Um defensively he has he has some time to go, but uh it has been a joy to watch someone kind of step in and be able to take on as much as Trace has taken on. He said he – because he's been really, really good parish. I, I, I kind of thought that maybe he has even outperformed expectations. Um And Archie said maybe a little bit, but because, you know – Devontae Green's has uh, been able to be a factor. Justin Smith, Joey Brunk down low really helps him as kind of a one-two combo. I thought that was interesting as well. So he was relieved to get this kind of win. They were coming off an 84-64 drubbing at Wisconsin, and he said that was just the most... It was an absurd game. I mean, credit to Wisconsin. They were not missing anything. It was just they were hitting the most outrageous shots. It was just it was one of the most un-Wisconsin type games we could have ever expected and didn't know how the guys would respond 3 days later here they get a different kind of opponent. It was, you know, you know, perish the uh the cliché here, but it was really a rock fight. Um even with like three minutes to go, I didn't know who was going to win. And so not a glamorous win. UConn still building, you know, I thought Indiana was going to win. They did come out on top. They are nine and one. Now they finally have played two games away from home after their first eight were at home and they still got a couple more interesting tests to come. They got uh, Arkansas again at home, but preceding that will be uh, uh crossroads classic against Notre Dame when we are at the CBS sports classic on December 21st. And they've got Nebraska at home this Friday. So there's a, there's a, uh, a, a strong chance that Indiana can get into uh, the start of the year with just one loss. Something tells me they might get clipped again, but I think it's a good team and they're coming off, you know, a bad season. 1916, Romeo Langford was hurt. They didn't make the NCAA tournament. And now, you know, Archie just said that, he, that there is definitely a, a common belief. It's been there. The guys don't, you know, they weren't depressed to be around each other. He was saying like, sometimes when you get losing seasons, when you get into to February and March, and then sometimes with carryover, just kind of you know going through that crap and being around the same guys can have negative effects that are almost beyond your control. They just kind of are what they are. It's the social dynamics That's not the case with this team whatsoever. And here we go. They're 9-1. I don't know, Parrish. I don't know how good this team is. But I think it's going to make the tournament. I think the non-conference schedule has been great, so that's why it's harder to judge. I mean, I want to see Notre Dame and Arkansas, what they can do there. But overall... Keep an eye. I mean, if they really do have an 11-man rotation, that'll be the most of any power conference team. If, if you're telling me 11 dudes are getting like minimum seven, eight minutes a game and that's consistent, uh, to me that will be just one of the more fascinating um, attack modes that we'll see of any of any team in college basketball.
0: A couple of other notes on Indiana. They obviously get back uh, Rob Fennessy last night. Mm-hmm. He had missed um, a handful of games because he was in concussion protocol and he averaged 27.3 minutes per game last season. That was uh, fourth on the team and second most among returning players behind only Al Durham. So they, they need him and uh, he's missed I guess it was five games he missed and last night he only played 13 minutes against UConn. So they're working him back in but just having him back in uniform is a, a positive thing. Another thing I noticed and I only noticed it because I remember talking to the staff in the off season. At Indiana and you know just sort of going through last season because whoo I mean it was it was something they started 12 and 2 and were nationally ranked yeah and then they went 1 and 12 in their next 13 games 1 and 12 and they fought a 13 and 14 then they got like kind of good again but they never quite got enough to get back um, to the NCAA tournament but um, it was just a wild year and you know you start trying to make sense of it and one of the answers I got it, when the question was like okay what happened why did that happen Um, I, I would, the name Jerome Hunter was brought up and he said, listen, we never had him. He's a top 50 player. And we thought he was going to be, um, you know, we were counting on him to be an important piece when we, when we signed him and then, you know, you suddenly don't have him. And that was, you know, that that doesn't explain everything, but it it explains something. And he's just been a, a, a whatever player so far this season, he is back. He is healthy. He was medically red shirted last season because of a, a leg surgery. And he's only playing 13 minutes a game right now. And I, I'm wondering if that's just not exactly what we talked about on Sunday's podcast with Tristan Clark at Baylor. Like yeah. you miss that much time. You come off of surgery. And it doesn't matter really what you used to be. It takes you a while to get back to that if you ever get back to it at all. Certainly that's going on right now with Tristan Clark. I think it went on last season with Killian Tilly. And it's probably it looks like it's going on right now with Jerome Hunter.
1: Could well be the case, and the good news is, if that is the case, I mean, th- he's got the rotating cast around him to kind of, uh, you know, patchwork's too tough of a term there, but um, yeah, I think that something to watch. The fantasy stuff. Archie said that fantasy played he and we, we what thirteen, thirteen and change. He said he had played more at the press conference. He said something like he had played more in this game, like. Harder and more consistently than he had like since the preseason or even in the preseason, it was it was a a pretty direct quote. And he was obviously praiseful of, uh, of a Finney who you know stepped in and um, was four for four from the line and was just I think a positive influence. His his presence in the game I think was uh was no small thing there. So I you know we don't have to spend too much time on this game. It was it was a. A dog of a game. A fun mess, I guess, if you will. But um, Connecticut, I think, is going to wind up being an NIT team. Uh, stuff like this, like if you almost had it, like you just lost on a neutral against Indiana, these are the kind of wins that maybe you just need to pluck out to get into the tournament. I just don't think that UConn going to be in the tournament this season. I do think Indiana will, and I think maybe, you know, just a microcosm of why that might be the case was on display at MSG in that nightcap. And oh, by the way, <laughs> on a personal note, like the game ends, it's late, but I wanted to get stuff because I didn't know what I put in the court report. And I wanted, I wanted to get stuff because I also wanted to do what we've done here and just talk about it on the podcast. But good God, like it was starting to s- like sleet and snow. And I'm in my car last night at like one thirty-five, and I'm just driving north back into Connecticut. And I'm like, it's all for the podcast, man. It's all for the podcast. This This is just <laughs> terrible right now. Get me the hell home. I can't believe I'm driving in this. I stayed an extra 15 minutes just to talk to Arch. It was worth it, but... In the moment, you're like, what What the hell am I doing? <laughs> but Is I did there, get it. I there, got home there, safe. There's,
0: there's a moment in every day of my life where
1: I go, what am I doing right now? <laughs> Dude, it was bad. I know. But it was like, because it was going from rain to snow, and it was hitting that weird in between where the roads are. Eh, and I was just like, what? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? But I am glad I did it now. But if you could have uh, seen me at like 140, hand gripped on the steering wheel, like hunched over, just like – and then like, you know, these jerks coming the other way on the highway, still got their brights on. I'm like, turn your freaking brights off, dude. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Anyway, glad I'm uh, glad we're back.
0: Uh, uh, real quick, only because I mentioned Tristan Clark. It's worth noting uh, Baylor did beat Butler uh, on Tuesday night 53-52 so that's three top 20 Ken Palm wins for Scott Drew's Baylor Bears and they did it without Tristan Clark at all he did not play a single minute in the game and yet they're still able to handle Butler uh down in Waco so that nice Baylor story um continues so I moved Ohio State to number one in the CBS Sports top 25 and one on Wednesday morning after Louisville's lost to Texas Tech inside the guard we're gonna get into that next but first Check this out.
1: It's the State of Combat podcast, the Brian Campbell, and while fight season may be on hold for the foreseeable future until Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov touch gloves at UFC 249, the SOC is still moving along. Two to three episodes per week to give you that combat fix. What can you expect? The same great interviews with the biggest names in the fight game. Maybe a little bit of a fun oasis from the crazy world around you. Instant reactions to the biggest
0: news stories. It's the SOC, available on Apple Pod, Stitcher, Spotify,
1: and anywhere fine audio is found. Tell them BC sent you.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Frank Stanfield from Fantasy Baseball Today. Don't worry, Adam Azer isn't going anywhere, and neither is FBT. The MLB season is delayed, but that just gives us more time to deep-dive players, argue about rankings, and find this year's Catel Marte. Regardless of what format you play in, Roto, Points, Keeper, Auction, Dynasty, we've got you covered. We're here for you five days a week, so make sure to download and subscribe to Fantasy Baseball Today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. So I moved Ohio State to number one in the CBS Sports Top 25-1 and one on Wednesday morning. To me, there's literally no argument for anybody else. We talked a lot about Ohio State on Sunday's podcast. Uh, we won't spend that much time on it again. But just to run through what we're talking about right now, Ohio State is 9-0 and with eight double-digit victories, among them a 25-point win over Villanova, a 25-point win over North Carolina, and a 32-point win over the Penn State team that... Yes, beat Maryland on Tuesday night. So that's three wins by at least 25 points over schools currently ranked in the top 25 at Ken Palm. And at the time those games were played, Villanova and UNC were both in the top 10 of the AP poll, which means Ohio State is right now just the fourth team in AP poll history to own two wins over top 10 teams by at least 25 points in the same season. As I told you on Sunday's podcast, the three teams that previously did it each won a national title. Ohio State right now is number one at Ken Palm, number one at Sagarin, Number one at Torvik, so the Buckeyes are one of just five remaining unbeaten teams. They're the only undefeated team in the top 15 at KinPOm, the only undefeated team in the top 12 of the AP poll, and they have better wins than everybody else. They're number <laughs> one in most of the computers. So, like, what could possibly be the argument for anybody else in the country right now than Ohio State being number one?
1: There's not, and I have to. I'll, you no. Know. Uh, refresh my power rankings that we publish every Thursday. Uh, it's I don't even have like I don't even know what <laughs> I'm just gonna you know I might just link to the podcast and be listen to the opener with Paris with what he just said. You just laid out why that's the case. How about this also? So there's six in adjusted offensive efficiency, second in adjusted defensive efficiency. No one else is even close in terms of being top ten or even top fifteen. How about this, Duke? Ten and four. They're the only offense to defense. They're the only one. Louisville eleven and three. Michigan State is first in offense, twenty-fifth in defense. Kansas twelfth in offense, ninth in defense. Purdue 26th in offense, fifth in defense. It's Virginia, which is the only team that's better on defense, and it's number one, obviously. One twenty in offense. We've talked about them before. So they Ohio State strikes the best balance. One other thing I talked about with with Archie Miller on Tuesday night was he was. And, and this wasn't, this wasn't even, I was like, I think I put my, uh, my, my recorder away. Like I wasn't, this was not, this was just like casual conversation, but uh, he was like, oh, Ohio it's just the best team in college basketball. It's like, it's not even close. If you watch how they play and how they continually run at you, run you into the ground with that defense, and it's he's, he's just like, there's just, it's, it's not a contest right now. And I think he's saying that partly because, you know, Louisville coming off the loss, et cetera, et cetera. But there is not a contest. And he also said Caleb Wesson can be a first-team All-American. That can definitely be the case. But again, they got more around him than just that. But there is no, there's no other case. I'll also say this. The net rankings will debut on Monday. So we're recording this on Wednesday. Um, last season, Ohio State controversially was the number one team in the first version of the net. Um, they, if They, they got to play Sunday at Minnesota. If they win that game... We're gonna kill the net if Ohio State's number one, not number one when that debuts, because there's no reason why that shouldn't be the case based off of everything they've done. It's not just undefeated and and quality of opponent. It's it's margin of victory. Uh, the net takes into effect, uh, takes into account uh, your efficiency margins overall. So I and it's not predictive whatsoever. It's comp- it's entirely based upon. Uh, well, I would say I shouldn't say that. It's not predictive in the way that uh, Ken Palm. Sagran and Torvik are, uh, it's more, you know, looking back as opposed to looking forward. So, yeah, no, it's the Buckeyes right now. And I, I knew we were going to talk about Ohio State briefly on this podcast. And I will say this. This thought, this thought did cross my mind, and I wanted to put it on the record here, 95 days out from Selection Sunday. You know, the, the go-to talking point right now in college basketball is that there's no great team this season. Uh, that might wind up being the case, okay? We could still have really, really good teams that are getting on the one line, but maybe there's not a great team. There's evidence to support that. Louisville loses. We're going to have the fifth changeover in the first seven weeks of the season. That's that's a record, but it's just so by far and away a record. The all-time record, by the way, for number ones. credit to David Warlock of the NCAA. 82-83 had um, seven different teams be the number one ranked team in that season. If it's Ohio State, we'll get to five different teams before Christmas, and we could be on pace. you got to get different teams, though. You can't have like a Kansas or a Duke or Kentucky drop to two or three or take it back. We'll see if we can, um, if we can match that. Anyway, I was on some other point. Oh, here's my point. We are discrediting Ohio State by, by hammering this into the ground because by every measure right now, perish. Ohio State is a great team. Indisputably. And just because Caleb Wesson isn't a household name, and just because Ohio State doesn't make the second week of the tournament every other season or every season, I think that's why this happens, because it's more known as a football school than a basketball school, even though from a basketball standpoint, it's got plenty of pride uh, over the years. So right now, I give you Ohio State. Don't tell me there are no great teams. I don't know if they will remain great. Ohio State is great right now. It might be the only great team— but you cannot convince me. You don't have an argument. If you say oh, Ohio State's not great, you cannot provide the evidence contrary to that.
0: I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I think um, people think there is no great team. Uh, the reason is because clearly the greatest team right now is Ohio State. And Ohio State doesn't have the characteristics of the teams we typically call great teams in college basketball. What do we usually call a great team in college basketball? It's somebody that we thought was going to be great. You know, we always assumed they were going to be great, right? Ohio State was 18th in the preseason AP poll. They were not a part of these Michigan State, Duke, Kentucky, Louisville conversations. Um, So we didn't – nobody expected this. Um, When we talk about great teams, it's usually somebody with a great resume. Ohio State's got that, undeniably, but also got pros all over the court. We go, oh man, they're great because that guy's a top five pick and that guy's a lottery pick and that guy's also a first round pick. They don't have that. I, I don't know that there's a first round pick on the team.
1: I think Caleb Buston can be a first round pick. Could be, could be. I think. I, mean, I really, think uh, if he continues at this pace, he is going to be a first round pick. But maybe right. not like clear cut right now. But I think that's. I. I think that's the case. But who? Who am I?
0: It's fine. I won't even argue the point. I'm just saying, like, if you go pull up most mock drafts right now, you ain't gonna see an Ohio State player in the first round. Doesn't mean that can't change. Doesn't mean that mock drafts aren't wrong or ridiculous. But it just does mean that right now there are schools that have obvious lottery picks on their roster, and and I'm not sure Ohio State um, is one of them. So I don't think they look like what we usually call a great college basketball team. And they not um, they they didn't have the preseason stuff of what we usually call a a great college basketball team. But, uh, man, since the season started, based on what has actually happened on the court, there's nobody better, and they are great. And yet, if AP voters vote the way they typically vote, Kansas will be number one on Monday, because right now in the AP poll, Louisville's one, Kansas is two, Ohio State is three. Uh, I do not think you can make a single argument for Kansas being ranked ahead of Ohio State right now, but if AP voters just Mm. move them up, The way they do, so often, then Kansas will be number one. So real quick, let me just bat that out of the air real quick. Hmm. Um, Kansas has fewer wins and more losses than Ohio State. It's lower in every computer. It has a neutral court loss to the Duke team that lost to Stephen F. Austin, whereas Ohio State has zero losses. Kansas has one top 25 Kimpom win compared to Ohio State's three. KU's best win is an overtime win over Dayton, and that is a great win, but Ohio State has absolutely smashed three top 25 teams by an average of 27.3 points. So Kansas can be number two. That's fine with me. That's why I got up in the top 25 and one. But there is no argument for Kansas over Ohio State right now. It makes no sense. And I've had some Kansas fans say, well, you know, in the first game, you know, our loss is the first game of the season. Oh, what okay. Well, they, okay? It still happened. I, I bet you if they, I bet you if Scott. their first game of the season was a win over Duke, they wouldn't eliminate it from the conversation. <laughs> right. I bet they wouldn't go perish. We appreciate the respect you're showing us, but you got to remember our win over Duke was the first game of the season. So, like you know, take that into account. <laughs> like it just be like we beat Duke. <laughs> <I did it>. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, like the idea that they now don't want to talk about. Well, you know, the first loss was his first loss the loss is the first game of the season. What do you want from us? Kansas is great. Kansas is a national championship contender. Kansas is the favorite to win the Big Twelve. Kansas should be ranked number two right now. Ohio State should be ranked
1: number one. Yeah, I got nothing else to provide with that. That's I I agree entirely. And yet if you ask me to predict, I do think that I don't know. I don't have Kansas schedule up in front of me. I don't know if they've got a game this weekend. I would think that they do. But um, I would guess that the AP voters will collectively and wrongfully put, put the Jayhawks at number one. Give it Ohio State. If you're an AP voter listening to this podcast, and I know there's at least a couple, um, listen, play back what Parrish just said if you need to. Hit that, hit that rewind button, and there's really no case against anyone. It's, it's Ohio State and then everyone else for that number one spot.
0: We will by next Monday see exactly how much juice the author of the text column has, mm. because if I can get Ohio State to jump Kansas when nothing this week is actually going to be a reason for Ohio State to jump Kansas. The truth is you should have never had Ohio State behind Kansas this past Monday based on the bodies of work to date. But if I can now get Ohio State to jump above Kansas and get the number one, it'll be the latest bit of evidence that the Politex column is doing God's work in this country. God's work in this country, Norlander. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to learn now. And please go subscribe to the Iron College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably. Five stars, nice comments. And we will talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care.
1: My name is Connor Tapp and I'm here with Trey Scott, my co-host on the College Football Daily, a podcast from 24-7 Sports dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. Every Monday through Friday, from here to eternity, we are adding depth and context to the biggest headlines in college football. But we're also diving deep into topics like the Iowa Hawkeyes secret sauce for developing NFL linemen and what the era of big money conference TV networks means for schools like Boise State. So if you share our point of view that college football has no offseason, subscribe to the College Football Daily now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.